Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Okay, back from vacation, right into the, the mix here. You're saying uh, you already felt tired. I do feel tired. <laughs> it a long day. But uh, let's go right into it. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things we've been focusing on here is this issue of momentum, resilience, um, how vulnerable is the global economy? And I think, you know, to some degree, this week's data has been comforting on the U.S. where we got the kind of uh, uh, rebound in retail sales and also in industrial production that we had expected in April, basically suggesting that some of the momentum loss at the end of the first quarter is more about the the issues around seasonality, weather effects fading rather than anything fundamental. But we did get a real material disappointment in the China data. So why don't we just start there and, and sort of assess what did we learn in China? Um, how important is it for the China outlook? And perhaps to what degree does that say anything about the global outlook here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little complicated. On the surface, I mean, clearly the data was a, a, a colossal disappointment based on our seasonal adjustment factors, which viewers have to know. They're, they probably, If you're not looking at our seasonal adjusted data, you're not going to know what we're talking about. But our, our seasonally adjusted data really collapsed hard. Industrial production, I think, was down 6% on the Almost 5.7, I think. Yeah, 5.7. Basically wiped out all the gains from the, from the first quarter. Um, yeah, I don't want to get carried away with seasonal adjustment, but let's just say the data was weak. And then, so what, what do you do with that? Our, our team you know, took that, uh, they slashed the GDP forecast for the current quarter from little over 6% quarter on quarter annualized down to about three and a half percent. Um, and then what does that mean? Which is your question, right? I, you know, we didn't change the out quarters, which you might say, oh, then you're not really thinking it's that big a deal. You and I have been debating this. I actually think that is a big deal because you're lowering the level of GDP going all the way out, right? You're not offsetting that with stronger growth later and just saying this is noise. So in some sense, relative to where we were a week ago, I say we've kind of lowered our sights on the China rebound story. Right, now, but, I, but I've been, let me say what I've yeah, been saying to you yeah. this morning, which is that that's fair, but relative to where we were before we got the first quarter data in, in the middle of February, uh, where we had 7% first half growth and then pushed up hard our first quarter numbers after we saw the data, we're pretty much back to where we were. Yeah, so yeah. another And I think that's definitely a fair way to put it. Moreover, our forecast for the year is still above the government target. So I, I don't think people outside of the halls of JP Morgan are probably as as kind of freaked out by the data as, as maybe we were. Um, I, you know, so I, there, there's, there's that aspect. I think more beneath the surface, though. For what it was, I was in southern France when the data came out and I was not freaking out. Yeah. As, as I was reading the data, you're being blown around by that provincial wind. <laughs> That's there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think you know there. You could get a little worried about this this narrative that we had, which was a, a constructive, optimistic upside narrative that you were going to get a handoff of reopening dynamics to a private sector investment lift, which has kind of lagged 
all of the reopening in a sense that the government was going to kind of take some of the shackles off the private sector that had been put in place going back from before the pandemic. And that was going to be lead to some kind of morning in China type moment on the investment side. And we're not seeing that yet. Again, I don't, the seasonal adjustment stuff, maybe we're messing something up there, but you're just not seeing that yet. And that story is, is getting harder to tell. So, you know, we came into the week, uh, you know, with a very strong growth and upside risk was the way we were kind of telling it. We exit the week with lower growth, but to your point, not lower than where we were a couple months ago, but the handoff to private sector growth story. I think that's an important narrative that we- Well, I would watch. agree. I, I'm, less, I'm less focused on the idea that there's a, any meaningful growth disappointment here, but I think we were sitting at the beginning of the week thinking there was upside risk, putting more weight on the first three months data of the year than I think we do coming out of it. Um, and I think maybe the balance of risk has actually shifted a little to the downside, who knows, but I don't put as much weight on the fluctuations and the monthly data. Um, and to some degree, what it's telling me is we probably put a little too much weight on the first two or three months of the year in terms of those upside surprises. Yeah. So let's, let's not obsess over this because right. at the end of the day, we haven't been translating China performance into rest of world growth in any meaningful way. We've kind of, you know, again, shifted some risk perceptions as a result of it, but we've kind of left China in its own space to some degree. Yep, absolutely. And I guess there's two things I'd want to uh, follow up on here. One is the note we wrote that we published uh, a few couple hours ago on global industry. You know, where does it stand? We've been clearly seeing global growth be uh, supported significantly by services. Outside China, industry still been weak. And the question is, what happens next and then after that let's just turn to the to the pause story on central banks but let's first yeah. get get to the to the note that you you more or less yeah. uh focused on the last couple of days in your time um yeah. what's the message in in terms of manufacturing let's leave again china to the side here well, that's it that that is we will leave china out. that's an important point to note actually if you did include china you might say oh global but you know factory output actually accelerated nicely through the first quarter um, you know, through basically through March, uh, but you know that was very heavy China, and now we're kind of questioning some of the, the those numbers on the seasonal adjustment and all that side. So if we look X China, you basically had global industry X China fall sharply in the fourth quarter, and continue to contract, not at a rapid pace, but only, I think it felt like 7% annualized in the fourth quarter, and maybe it was down a little less than a percent in the first, qu first quarter of this year. Um, so that's a that's a pretty six month stretch of pretty darn weak global industry. Now, yeah, that might get you very worried, but what we've also been noting is in our PMI space, things are starting to look a little bit better. It's early, next week's flash PMIs will be important to, to track that story. But more importantly and fundamentally is that alongside the production side, the goods demand side is actually picking up more smartly. It was very weak in the fourth quarter as well, not as weak as manufacturing. So you big had a big inventory contraction in the fourth quarter. In the first quarter, manufacturing still soft outside of China, but goods spend uh, demand picking up. So let me just sort of inventory step back contraction. before we talk about the future. Let me just step back. We came into the year say, saying, hey, you know, there's there's a big drop in inflation. It's coming from the energy side. 
Um, there's going to be pretty decent supports on the demand side, um, on goods here from that. And that what we get in the first quarter is this dynamic of um, production still saying soft. I don't remember where our point estimate was for the first quarter. I think it was it was close to flat. Maybe it was slightly up, but it wasn't very much of anything. Uh, and that we would get inventories um, put under better control. And that would yeah. set us up for the second quarter. And it feels to me like production was a touch weaker Demand was stronger, and it looks like inventory's got, you know, the, at least the way we're measuring it, the impulse was even more negative. Yep. Uh, so it feels like the dynamics in terms of what we've been expecting is tracking okay. The question is whether or not that does set us up for getting a decent rebound here as we look towards the middle of the of the year. So how comfortable are you feeling that yeah. the next step and is I, is that and, rebound? And, and, and frankly, I think you kind of asked a good question about the inventory correction last quarter. We naturally, and we've done this a lot and tracked inventory, the inventory good cycle a lot. We naturally will look at a big inventory contraction and say, oh, well, that's levering us for growth later. You asked a, an interesting right question, which is, well, how much of that inventory is not just like an unintended correction that means more growth later, but is actually a desired downshift if businesses are getting cautious and they're kind of seeing things where things are going to be weakening. And for that, we need to look ultimately, what is the impulse for final demand? How confident are you that final demand is going to stay in the driver's seat? And then that'll really lever up uh, factory production to realign the pace of inventory growth. And for that, you kind of turn to the fundamentals. And we ultimately do think we're going to get to a recession, but you and me for the better part of the year is pushed back. Not now, not yeah, wait for it, but not yet. And I, we are saying the same thing for the second quarter here. And I would point to pretty strong job market. Uh, U.S. payrolls, obviously, were very strong. That crazy claims number from last week got, got corrected. And so, you know, from that side, things look good. Globally, employment looking good. This week, we got Euro area employment for the first quarter. It was yet again strong. I mean, everywhere you look, job growth is pretty darn strong. And, and in fact, overall global employment growth is running at the fastest pace, or let me put it this way, faster than any pace you saw in the last expansion. That that For three years into a recovery, that's an impressive statement. So job growth strong, wage growth strong, you are seeing re the U.S. retail sales numbers were pretty good. Motor vehicle sales are holding up. If there's an area of concern, I would say it's CapEx. Um, CapEx, we know, was kind of soft in the U.S. Our CapEx nowcaster globally is holding up, uh, but that actually took a little bit of a tick down uh, just more recently. And uh, we'll watch that one. Retail sales is very important. So I let me just pause it, and, and I, could be, I could certainly be well off on this. It feels to me like, there's some of both story in the in the picture, which is I think there is a a, a beneficial lift that's coming, um, and the consumer is uh, an important part of that, and that's going to continue as you noted. We're expecting to see off of the retail sales report and everything else we know a pretty darn strong rise in goods spending from the U.S. consumer next week. We're hoping that the PMIs are going to be broadly consistent with continued recovery here. But there is this drag. I think there is a business caution story, which yeah. has some bearing on the inventory stuff, has some bearing on what feels CapEx. like a slowing on CapEx. And obviously, in the US, at least, um, it's interacting with some tightening in credit. So you know, I'm, I guess where I sit is I don't want to push, by any means, the uh, idea that we're going to get a big bounce in global industry. 
I do think things are going to improve partly because we started from such a, a weak point. And I think the balance between demand and final demand and inventories is looking better. Uh, but I think it's going to be a bit of a slog unless, and, and I don't really know whether we want to get into this, unless there's a more meaningful turn in tech that's coming here, which has been clearly one of the, the more important sources of weakness in the last been, six months. I actually think there, yeah, it's continuing, but it's made so much progress. I mean, the level of tax pro production has absolutely cratered. And then you have these hints and, you know, very high up the, up the chain, you've got Korea doing semiconductor production and some constructive turns there. It's early, but uh, Suk Gil on the Korea team put out an interesting note. It was out last week, uh, kind of showing some, some turn there. I, I think, you know, we could be seeing the, the other, other side of that. But I, I want to go to the central bank stuff, but before we leave this, I just want to make this point, which is, I think, pretty straightforward is the tone of this conversation is not really sitting here sort of thinking about, Hey, are we on the cusp of something breaking? It's, it's, right. it's the pluses and minuses of whether we're going to get a lift here, which is a very different conversation than, um, you know, are we on the cusp of falling into into recession? And so, moreover, Bruce, I would add to that. I mean, I was just talking to our credit strategists, and they're they've been really impressed looking at like kind of levered companies, kind of cyclical companies. The earnings reports that are coming out, nothing seems too alarming there. It's actually looking fairly constructive. Uh, well, I do think this is a breaking right. This is, I think, an interesting point, which we're not going to again get into the conversation. Is how well nominal activity is done and how well pricing is held up for companies that's basically slowed this story which i think has been in a lot of people's minds including us that you get some fairly substantial uh, margin compression i think that's still in our future but it's in more in our future than it is in our present and that yeah. gets to the, to the really last thing that i want to kind of touch on here yeah that's right is our present is is one where uh, us and global growth's okay we can talk about how okay it is uh, U.S. and global inflation is elevated, certainly at the core. Uh, labor markets, as you noted, are strong and tight. Uh, and central banks are looking like they're about to pause. And yeah. that's an interesting you know, contrast in the sense that it's hard to justify the pause based on uh, the incomplete battle to, to normalize demand um, and to get um, uh, inflation under control. So... Uh, just a couple of words. You you maybe want to say something, and I'll follow in terms of how you're thinking about the the central bank story here. Yeah, I mean, I I think to the extent you are getting pauses, they're hawkish pauses. I think to the extent you're getting 25 basis point hikes from the ECB, they're hawkish 25 basis point hikes. To the extent you're, you, we have a sense that across parts of the EM an easing cycle may begin, those are getting pushed off. Uh, so everything is still leaning in the more hawkish direction. Um, and I think this week, you know, there was a lot of interest in kind of how the Fed was going to start to set up this, this pivot to a pause. Uh, and that is our official call. Um, I think things got a little bit more hawkish with, uh, I think, uh, Lori Logan's, so the Dallas Fed speech was, was quite hawkish where she flat out said, I think we need to do more, more hikes. Inflation's not there yet. And that was then kind of followed by Powell. I don't think, well, there's all this, like how much coordination is there, but it did feel like they did a good job of both Powell saying, we're going to pause here 
with Logan kind of providing enough of a hawkish tilt that, hey, don't get excited about potential cuts coming anytime soon. If you wanted to choreograph that, you couldn't have done it more perfectly. And the market's got the message, right? Because you took the hike out of June, but also took cuts out of July. So Right. And I want to hit this point that I think um, I do think the Fed is is moving towards a pause here. I and mean, obviously we have um, the, the employment report to look at uh, and we'll see what we get from that. But I do think they've made that decision, not by any means unanimously, but I think Powell uh, and some of the other leaders are are probably on board for it. And I think, as we said, it's not based on feeling success on where we stand, but it's feeling, I think, a little more concerned about the uh, potential that having moved so far, so fast that you might be threatening financial stability. And then obviously in the back of their minds, they're still thinking about lags and monetary transmission. I, I do think they have hopes, although perhaps not um, confidence, that by keeping policy restrictive, um, you, you can gradually bring inflation down. That could be one of the subtexts around Williams, uh, you know, notes this uh uh this morning that our star which we're not going to get into that as well here is still very very low uh but i you know but the point i want to make here is this is this is stuff which is you know as you say hawkish pauses it's in some ways pauses which are um very much conditional on a set of judgments which could easily prove to be to be wrong here so i think one of the points we're we've tried to make is that yeah it's going to be hard to get through this thing without a recession because it's hard to see inflation come down on its own. Um, so if central banks go pausing here and um, um, you know we don't get the kind of uh, uh, recession dynamic take hold here, there's a very good chance that this pause isn't going to be terminal and that they could come back uh, into the picture here later this year uh, I mean, frankly, at some point I think in time. I, I, it is where I struggle. I think if you take our forecast I think it's hard to not see them starting back up at, at, at some point here, right? Inflation is just running too hot. It's not coming down fast enough. Uh, you know, the growth slowdown, I mean, it's very, very mild. And right now, absent, you know, some type of recession, it's hard to see the type of disinflation. But we do have a recession taking hold late this year. So it's I mean, very I think, mild, very but mild. I, I don't want to get too cute about what, a recession will actually turn out to look like. But I think there's two scenarios that make sense to me. One is that the combination of a Fed that pauses but doesn't ease uh, works together with credit tightening and starts to weigh on the economy. And then we kind of uh, hit a point where we can't keep going. Uh, that might take more than four or five months to, to take hold. It may take take it you know, longer than that. Um, but then I think the other scenario is it's just not enough. And in an environment where inflation doesn't come down by itself, the right. Fed, the that, Fed that, has to stop stop being as, as friendly and, and, right. and comfortable with uh, um, the gradual approach on inflation. And then they come back in the picture. Um, yeah, and I just think that right now it's hard to not think that should be a, a, a baseline view with, with core CPI still running. Way, I'm comfortable way with that. But uh, let's, let's see. I mean, it's I, I again, I want to emphasize here that as much as, um, you know, we can see right now, there are a number of different ways this can play out. But the the balance here is clearly not that skewed in the direction of easing. 
Yeah, uh, and I, and I get the point. I get the point that we should we need to wait, and there's stuff in the pipeline. That's what everyone's holding out for. But what I counter that with is kind of some of the work we've done about the health of the corporate sector, the health of the balance sheets of the household sector, the anecdotes I'm hearing in the in the corporate space of just not really feeling any pressure yet. The fact that the most interest sensitive part of the economy, which is your kind of real estate housing sector, is already starting on a path of recovery. So what's going to be breaking by the time we get later this year? You throw all that into the hopper against this kind of, hey, long and variable lags, just wait, it's going to happen. I think the former story is a bit more believable, and that makes me think they probably need to do more. And I don't know where Williams is thinking our star is low, but it's probably our star. Is I'm not low. letting you go on that one, Joe. Going to have to control you, and yeah. try to let everybody get to their weekend by cutting it here and saying, uh, "Yeah, we got plenty of things here we could continue to talk on, but I think we'll we'll stop." And thanks everybody for for listening, uh, and hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV. Take care, everybody.